What's up, everybody? Happy Memorial Day weekend. We are back. Welcome to Real Chronicles brought to you by Realtalking.com. I am your host, David. And probably for the ne- last time in about a month, I am with the original crew with me today. What's up, Leo? Yo, yo, yo. Heading to the military today, baby. Yes. And Ryan. This is my podcast. There are many like it, but this is my special one. I fucked up. There we go. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Today we are celebrating the 35th anniversary of Full Metal Jacket, one of Stanley Kubrick's best films. Uh, I'm very interested into what the guys think about this one. It's one of my favorite Kubrick films. I believe it's in my top three, three, four, probably my number four after uh, 2001 Shining, Clockwork. Yeah, and then Full Metal Jacket would probably be right after. Uh, But before we get into that, let's get into some of the news of the week. Uh, We'll start off on a somber note. Shocking all of us. Uh, the great Ray Liotta passed away at the age of 67. He, The reports have said that he passed away in his sleep. No other news has been released at the time. But very shocking. I was pretty much... You know how you have some actors, you're like, yeah, they can't die. Ray Liotta seems like one of them. And the fact that he is no longer with us is sad and surprising. Uh, I'm guessing you guys think the same, right, Leo? Yeah, man. I think it was like, I mean, obviously, like after Betty White, everyone is like up up for grabs. Yeah. Um, so to speak. But at the same time, Ray Liotta was so young. He was still working on a lot of good projects. Like he just was so. And it's funny because he's been reinvigorated through meme culture. When you have that laughing scene from Goodfellas everywhere. Yeah, it's I just, agree. It's just it's tough, though. It's it's tough to because he had so much. He had so many good more movies to come. I think he has the best movie laugh of all time. Oh, easily, easily, yes. Uh, Ryan, thoughts? I mean, uh, one of my favorite movies and favorite, second favorite character from the movie. So, and so, like, to me, this was very hard hitting. And it just sucks, man. <laughs> yeah, no, it does suck. Um, obviously, he'll be known specifically for playing Henry Hill in Goodfellas, but he also. <laughs> Started off in Something Wild in 1986, uh, which he was nominated for a Globe. And I believe he won the NYF Critics Circle, or finished in second or third for Supporting Actor for Something Wild, the Roy Sinclair film. Uh, Ironically, after that movie, he was actually thought of as a potential Joker in the 89's Batman, which would have been pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's also known for me, um, Field of Dreams. He plays Shoeless Jill Jackson. Mm-hmm. And he, one of his underrated performances is in Copland. I don't know if anyone. Oh yeah, good yeah. call. Love Copland. He also has played. He was also in Lieutenant Henry Oak and Narc. I haven't seen Narc, but I've heard really good things about it. And um, the one we don't want to talk about is Hannibal because that movie is absolute <laughs> garbage. Uh, I thought we're gonna... the movie that we don't want to talk about is Wild Hogs. <laughs> I've never seen Wild Hogs. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it's funny because the Hannibal is a legacy sequel that we don't want to talk about in comparison to another movie we will talk about a little later. So, uh, yeah, Ray Liotta, 
uh, gone at the age of 67, but definitely left a legacy to remember. All right, so now we go from the downer to a project that I didn't think would ever exist after 2008. So J.J. Abrams, Leo, I teased this before. J.J. Uh, Abrams is working on a speed racer show for Apple+. Plus. A TV show? Yes. Huh. I like the 2008 movie. I just don't think anyone else did. Um, it was okay. It, I didn't like, hate it. It's a very unique look. Uh, have you ever seen that movie, Leo? I have not seen it. I wasn't. I mean, like, I, I remember watching the cartoons every once in a blue, but I wasn't a huge Speed Racer fan enough to watch the movie. To be honest, yeah, I was. I was actually into that. I'm uh, into that uh, animated show. Uh, the irony. I didn't have this in my news, but the irony about this whole thing is the fact that he is able to do a project for Apple, but he still hasn't done a project for Warner Brothers after signing a two hundred and fifty million dollar deal a couple of years ago. Which, um, which is uh, something the new owners and Discovery are looking at all these Warner properties and deals that were made prior to their ownership and finding ways to get rid of some of these deals. Oh, would they sell like the deal to another network? Is that like I, my work? guess? It would probably be released from his contract or some form or another. Uh, it probably could get ugly. I just don't think that. I mean, it's true though. Like, if if I just bought a company, right? And you have a big contract like this, and there's nothing to show for. Why wouldn't you try to consider getting out of it? Um, yeah. The, yeah. One of the big uh, concepts that they're doing is that anything that's going to be directly on HBO Max has to be a budget of $35 million and under going forward. If you're over 35 you cannot be released only on HBO Max. Uh, which means, uh-huh. I don't know what happens to Batgirl. Do they just say, let's just... You know, enough people know who the character is. Let's just go. Let's release it in theaters. Probably be the best idea. Um, but that's why the Wonder Twins were canceled. Well, that shouldn't be oh. the only reason that Wonder Twins were canceled because I don't think anyone cares about seeing a Wonder Twins movie. It, it, I do. No, do you don't. Really? Do you really? Do? Oh my god! I love Super Friends, and they were like some of the underrated characters from that show. We like, talked. I mean, we, we talked about that Bad Bunny and Luchador movie that appeared in two two comic book. Uh, please, please. Let's this is this is this is the perfect example of like, why not just include the Wonder Twins in like a Shazam movie and then call it a day? They don't need a okay. They don't need a movie. This is this goes into the oversaturation that I keep talking about. That I'm like so torn down with, like not just Marvel but like DC. Uh, but so I'm glad DC is kind of like doing. The new DC or the new Warner Brothers is kind of just making sure that we don't have an oversaturation. Uh, next up, uh, this is more for me, for anyone that's... Ryan, you could put your headphones away here. Uh, okay. So <laughs> it's just a neat stack. Can uh, had their award winners yesterday. San Kunho won better known for the lead in Parasite. Won best actor at Cannes yesterday, which is awesome for upcoming film Broker. Uh, I don't know if you ever have you heard the movie uh, Old Boy, Leo? Yes. So yes. the director from that film won Best Director for his new film Decision to Leave. Uh, and Park Chan Wook, which is probably my pick. You know how the Oscars like to do a international director nowadays. My pick is either him or Inyaritu for this year. And then the Palme d'Or went to Triangle of Sadness, which marks a third time in a row that uh, Neon has won the Palme. Parasite, 
Tatan and now Triangle of Sadness. Don't ask me the last duty you to do it. I do not know. <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I just I just that's, saw that and I'm like, that's awesome. That's a, I mean that's honestly that is a fantastic legacy already. That's wow. And two incredible movies. That's like that I I haven't heard much. I heard it right now. It's at thirty. Uh, I mean, 71% on Rotten Tomatoes. But the most interesting thing about this is that Neon opened as a company in 2017, and they already mm-hmm. have three palms. Mm-hmm. So that just that's insane. So really good for them. And then looking forward to seeing the movie once it drops. I have one more bit of news because it goes into a lot of news within, and that's Star Wars Celebration. Oh, yeah. So I kind of just put everything as like, let's talk about everything in one one news item here. The first thing that dropped was the uh, trailer to Andor. Yes. It will be released on August 31st, 1st, 2022. It will be two seasons, the uh, 12 episodes each. Uh, we get six Obi-Wans, but we get 12 Andor episodes. I do. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, the trailer looks good. I'm not going to say it doesn't look good, but um, I, that's kind of my big takeaway out of the Andor news that we're getting not just 12, but we get 24 episodes in two seasons. I'm like, ah, come on, man. We couldn't get 12 Obi-Wan episodes? Just Yeah, well, think, think about of all the stuff that Disney Plus has released. This is the one you're giving 12 episodes to? <laughs> yeah. It's funny because one of the big takeaways that I saw about this whole thing was two things. Obviously, the news that was dropped. But the fact that Star Wars is transitioning to television, uh, I think Vanity Fair or Variety released a cover issue with uh, for the Star Wars news saying that Rebellion will be televised, as their, <laughs> which is which, which is cute. It's cute. Uh, but it kind of shows a transition of Star Wars from the big screen to the small screen. And I think I, I kind of like it. I, I, I've kind of record off the line that I think that they have done better work on television with the Mandalorian than any Marvel show so far, I think, in terms of... I'm worried, though, man, because I feel like this might fall into the same oversaturation that Marvel is currently going through. It's yes. Like, so oh. <laughs> so my big... my The only reason I disagree with you a little bit, I agree and I disagree. The reason I disagree with you is because Marvel has entered a, cat- a territory that I never thought I would experience, is that there's no more room for excitement for Marvel. I feel like we just had Doctor Strange, and then we're getting Miss Marvel. We're gonna finish Miss Marvel. We're getting Thor. We're gonna finish Thor. Then we're getting another show. So it's like I don't think that Marvel leaves room for excitement anymore. If that makes any sense. Yeah, we're like numb to it. You're totally yes. right. So that's kind of where I'm at. I don't. I've been feeling a very mixed towards Marvel lately, and I think that's probably why because there's so much and. Hey, we used to say, "Hey, give us all, give us all that." But when it was movies leading to something, now we have movies and televisions leading to absolutely nothing at the moment. Um, but yeah, that's kind of. But I do agree with you. Too much of it is going to be a lot. But I hope that they spread them out. Um, yeah, I, I hope yeah. that. I hope that. I think that for me, is I hope that it's going to be one of those things where, like, like take the feedback that the MCU is currently getting about exactly what you're saying. It's getting a little bit. Too much where it's like well, there's no excitement anymore and do that feedback and implement it with star wars don't just copy the recipe that you did for the mcu don't do show show movie show show movie show show movie because then it's like then you're gonna you're gonna ruin 
Star Wars too. Agree, Ryan. I know you're super excited for Andor, right? <laughs> Honestly, I didn't even know this was a fucking. <laughs> I missed this news. I got yeah. my finger on the pulse now. It's up my ass. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, as a lifelong Star Wars fan, give me all the Star Wars. No, I, I could give or take. You know what I want to show of? That Andor is going to have Mon Mothma on there. And uh, can I get a Mon Mothma origin story of them just chilling in the Senate? Just like. <laughs> like that. I want to see the election. I want to see. Like, we got. Yeah. Then watch the prequels. <laughs> nah. Uh, we also got news that. You want uh, politics, watch the prequels. I think, Dave, Dave, Dave you, want, you want a House of Cards type series. The prequels don't follow. Outside of the first one, they don't focus on politics too much. The first one and the third one with the destruction of the Senate into the Galactic Empire, that's about it. Um, but yeah, Mon Mothma over Andor all day, every day. Uh, the next bit of sh- news is that John Watts, we now know why John Watts left Fantastic Four. It is yeah. because he's going to do a, which I am very interested in, a Disney Plus original series called Skeleton Crew, which will follow, starring Jude Law, which will follow a group of 10-year-old kids from a small planet who get lost in the galaxy. And try to find their way home. Sounds like Stranger Things with the Force. Yeah, but, it's like, but it's not a kid series, too. <laughs> like I, I, and I'm excited. The show will take place after Return of the Jedi, and will fit at the timeline of the Mandalorian and Ahsoka. Ahsoka. Yeah, as a Stranger Things fan, I'm in. What do you think, but Dave? So, like, is Disney like cannibalizing itself, using their own directors to take away from their own projects? Yeah, man. <laughs> Well, remember, we've talked about this in the past. Like, I think Disney, um, once you're in a Disney family, you're in a Disney family. They take like, care of you. They sure. take care of you. So John Watts is like, all right, you know, Fantastic Four has a lot of a lot of pressure to be good. Things are turning on. Critics are turning on Marvel a little bit now. Let me go to let me let me do something original here. It's still in the Star Wars universe, but it's it's at least it's somewhat original. So. Very interested there. Uh, Ryan, do you have any interest to a children's show on uh, Disney Plus? I mean, I just said give me all the Star Wars, so I'm going to repeat myself. Give me all the Star Wars. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait till we get the show about the the, the Sand People, and Ryan's going to be like, yeah, give me more Tatooine. <laughs> That's all I want. Uh, com- also confirm Mando Season 3 is coming in 2023, which is fine because we technically got half a season this year of Mandalorian. Yeah, so, they dedicated yes. Book of Boba Fett as a teaser. <laughs> um, Ian McDer- this isn't news, but Ian McDermott during Celebration said that uh, a Palpatine prequel would be very interesting. Now, here's where I would fit in. Just watch the prequels. Uh Another Lucasfilm news: Indiana Jones first image revealed. Come on, that come on, yeah, give me that. I I don't hate Crystal Skull like you awful people do out there. Oh come on, man! Aliens, it sucks. The <laughs> end is garbage. Everything before then, I I'm Dial perfectly fine with. Garbage. The well, aliens are garbage. The whole thing is garbage. Man, you know when that movie had me? To be honest with you. In the first couple of minutes where they showed, uh, when they did like the first Easter egg of the movie and you saw the arc in there. Yeah. I'm like, okay, sure, why not? This could be a piece of shit, but I, I, I'm good <laughs> so, to go. So, Dave, this is a movie that was it had both. It had the potential to be a really good like continuation of a, of a beloved franchise 
and then it turned into something like not so good. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I um, like I think it's it's the worst of the bunch. Don't get me wrong, yeah. I, but it you know I don't hate it like everyone else does. I'm very I'm very excited though with uh, James Mangold directing. I think it should be a good one. Uh, Ryan, how many Indiana Jones movies have you seen? I've seen them all. Oh, good, good. I thought we were gonna get a. A, a situation that you haven't seen any Indiana Jones movie, and Leo and I would have. No, I've like seen them all. I'm yeah, not a I savage. Had, I had my money on like Raiders, and that's it. That same year, <laughs> same year. <laughs> um, I had an Indiana Jones kick for a while. Now we moving on from Indy. I think this is something that Leo has seen, and me and Ryan are gonna sit there shrugging. Willow got its teaser. <laughs> You did see, you have seen Willow, haven't you, Leo? Dude, it was always on, Willow on Channel 11. <laughs> I've never seen Willow. But it's it, a- was, it was, it was, I never watched it from beginning to end. I always fell asleep. I found it incredibly boring, very slow paced. Um, I think it's like Lord of the Ringsy, where it's like a long voyage. I know Willow has to take a little baby to save the baby somewhere. I think that's like the ring, but it's, it's uh, it's not my cup of tea, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually gonna see the movie, um, because it's on Disney Plus, so I'm very very curious about it. Uh, this we, is a series, though, right? The Willow series. I believe so. Yes. So, what about you, Ryan? The only Willow I know is from Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> so, if this was a spinoff of that Willow, would you be down? Oh, that one, um, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we also got, we didn't get um, the tr- the teaser shown, but the teaser was shown for ah- Ahsoka during Celebration, but we also got confirmation that characters from the Star Wars Rebels will be transitioning to live action for the series, which I am fully excited about. So cool. And then uh, the last two bits of news was the announcement that the first Star Wars film in this new era will be the Taika Waititi Star Wars film, which, come on, let's go. And this is, to finish off on Celebration, more interesting than anything, the idea that Kathleen Kennedy, who I've defended on here for many years, said that the reason that um, Solo didn't work was because you don't recast a legacy character. Yeah. That's not why it didn't work. (laughs) They recast it poorly. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even think it was bad. I think the problem with that is that you literally had Harrison Ford play Han two years before that. You didn't give. You didn't really give any time for the characters to like be separated from each other from its original source for it to be recast. Because technically, we got someone recast in a new a legacy character recast two days ago, and technically Obi Wan is a recasting as well mm-hmm. with Hugh McGregor. So. And, and, and in the same movie, we had freaking Donald Glover recast, and no one bitched about him. <laughs> yeah, I just think... Be, and, and, and remember, because we had a lot of time between uh, Lando's as well. I, 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 I think that's the wrong lesson to take from why it didn't work. The, way, the reason I don't think it worked is because you don't film... You literally had a movie 70% finished with Lord and Miller, who went on to win an Oscar the following year. And you didn't let them cook. You just let you just fired them, and you brought Ron Howard in. That's why it didn't work, in my opinion. I uh, rewatching it during my last run. It's now my worst Star Wars movie. 
It is, right? Yeah. And I don't think it's pr- in terms of quality. I think Attack of the Clones is worse in quality, but yes. I think Solo has zero impact on the overall arc of a Star Wars movie. I agree. I agree. And the it's funny ending, though, I, I, I with think... Maul. I, I, that could have been, that, so. did, uh, Ryan, when, what have that touched on with that with that twist? No, I'm saying that could have been. They they just let it die. I'm saying it could have been something. Yeah, but you know, unfortunately, it didn't work. And yeah, if what if Solo was a series with the same group of people? I think it would yeah. work better. Like today, I, like today, not in 2018, but like in the stat. Yeah, I know the, what you mean. Yeah, you think I I I, I think I'm with Ryan there. I think it would have worked today. I just don't think that Alden Aaron Rake it, it has any of the Harrison Ford charisma, dude. I just don't see it. Like I, think- I, I do because I've seen Hail Caesar. That's what he was cast, pretty much cast because of Hail Caesar. He does have charisma in that. It's just in that, but not in a solo. No, <laughs> no, it's just tough. It's not. Ironically, we're talking about charisma and charm from someone that uh, you know, uh, <laughs> talks like uh, this now. <laughs> it is he wait you know what it is? He used up all his charisma in the eighties. Seriously. <laughs> I can't wait for, for the new Indiana Jones when he uh Oh he's he, gonna be just like a grumpy grandpa, bro. Like, uh, I don't I don't wanna teach today because, you know, my back hurts. Um, <laughs> but no, I am excited I do I am excited for Indiana Jones five. But yeah, that's all the news for the week. Uh let's get into what we watch. I have a lot, so I will move to Ryan first. What do you have? I don't have much. I started uh, George Carlin doc on HBO Max. I can't remember oh, the name off the top of my head. Um, that was pretty cool. Um, I didn't know he had such a hard upbringing. Like his dad was abusive and shit. Like it was such an interesting learn. Oh wow! Also, no, I, I didn't know he had a brother. I definitely want to watch that documentary though. It's because it, I, I saw some of the footage like of, like when he was like young, he grew out his hair. He was very mm-hmm. anti-establishment. I'm like, oh shoot. <laughs> yeah, I saw Kevin Smith talk. Well, heard Kevin Smith talk about it on his uh, his podcast. So I do want to check it out. Anything else? Um, I know it's not a full show or anything, but I do want to talk about, it, especially with Leo, the trailer for the Supernatural spinoff. Oh, Imagine Danny. someone on this Danny. podcast said that this show was going to be garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that does not look good. And oh, so, oh. even screw Canon aside, it still doesn't look good. <laughs> That's the point. You don't screw Canon aside. This isn't the multiverse, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm saying like it's, overall, it just does not look good. No, well, I kind of off the line. I kind of mentioned like my my first thought of it is I looked at it very much like this is. And we'll see how this works with the whole, with the sale of, well, maybe the hopeful sale of CW. But it felt like just like they were trying to mix in, like, I know Riverdale got canceled. Um, I know that they want to, like, technically Legacies isn't, isn't doing badly, but Legacies revamped an old franchise for them. Um, it felt like they were trying to put too many recipes for, for shows. And it's like they're forcing it. Uh, it. It just feels like a bootleg Buffy that's mixing in Riverdale. Yeah, that's a good one. Anything else, Ry? Nah, it's been a slow week. Leah, what do you got? Uh, I finished Downton Abbey. And? Freaking so cool. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And it's funny because I kind of did turn around on Barrow. I told you. I, I remember the moment it happened. It was Now I can talk about it freely. It was in season five. 
when they were pretty much like, yo, you got to find a job, dude. You got to get out of here. And I'm like, when he, his struggle, and I'm like, man, I told, I looked to Jen, I'm like, I'm really starting to feel bad for Barrow. And she's like, why? And I'm like, because, you know, I don't, I think the guy, you know, has had these bad intentions as a, as a source of survival as a, on the top of the food chain of the servants. But I, yeah, I don't want to spoil the movie aspect no, of it. But I know, man. It, it's, well, it's funny because it's like, I, I, even during the show, during the episodes, like you start seeing like, but I, I just, I just held on so strong though. I was super stubborn. I'm like, no, it doesn't excuse why he treated everybody so badly. It doesn't excuse him being a jerk. Um, but at the end of the day, like I, I did at the end just turn to be a little bit more accepting of Pharaoh. Um, all the other characters' arcs are pretty cool. Um, the movie was fantastic. The, the second movie. Um, I, I did tell Dave I wasn't able to watch the first movie, um, but I, I liked it. I liked it. I liked, I liked the, how you see the, the, the group turning into the next generation. Their mm-hmm. wardrobe is now updated, too, which is cool. Um, Them making a movie. It reminded me of Singing in the Rain, to be honest with you. I will say, though, the one glaring thing that I'm like, I don't like the way this happened was when they didn't bring back um, uh, Mary's husband. Oh, because um, he was shooting the offer. And I get it. I get it. I know he was like his obligations, but like that felt very much like, I don't know if this would be, it just felt very glaring. Felt very, very much like this is missing. You're kind of forcing this to art on it. You know who Matthew Good is, right? Absolutely, man. Okay, just making sure. All right, just making sure. I love, I love Matthew Good. You know what? He's another one that just got a very like, Good-looking, cocky charisma about him. Yeah, he's perfect as Ozymandias. Yeah, but no, I, overall, if anyone is on the fence of watching the, the classic Downton Abbey show and movies, please jump on. So good, so fun. Surprisingly, like, family and, and warm. You would, not, you would not dig it, right? Okay. So I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe. I'm telling you, like uh, uh, when when I heard Tony say that that Happy used to watch it to make him feel fancy. If <laughs> if, if Ryan wants to feel fancy, down to Happy, <laughs> maybe I will um, feel a little fancy later. <laughs> I um, I also I also watched the series finale of This Is Us. Um, Good awesome for sticking drama. with that, Leo. I'm proud of you. Even Jenny got off the This Is Us bandwagon. No, it's funny. This Is Us is definitely one of the shows that I stopped watching, and then COVID locked us in and i was like well you know what i might as well come back onto it and see what's going on in this world um but i got pushed through um the last season was actually really really good they wrapped up and closed up a lot of storylines um i don't want to go too much spoilers just because you know uh, uh, people may still be on it because it just ended last week but um i thought yeah really really heartwarming End to the series. Good acting. Sterling Sharp. Oh, Sterling. I forgot his last name. Uh, Sterling K. Brown. There it is. Sterling K. Brown again just killed it. Mandy Moore, I think, is getting a nomination this year um, for her performance. Um, and then from that stuff, I went into Obi Wan and Stranger Things. Awesome. So, I guess so we'll, we'll jump into those a little bit later. Yeah, I do think it's it, the most. I don't watch This Is Us, but the most impressive thing about This Is Us is that it's the only network television show that still gets Emmy nominations today. So that's very impressive on that show because uh, network yeah. television is pretty much dead. Uh, so for me, I saw this uh, as a Latino. I didn't think this movie was going to be any good, and uh, a fellow critic of mine, a friend of mine, uh, she watched The Valet. 
and she put her review on Letterboxd, and I was immediately intrigued by it. And it's actually really, really good. I actually think you'd really like it. Um, so pretty much, it's a show. It, the movie is about an actress who is hooking up with a married man who who is uh oh my god he's from New Girl. Um, oh my god, I forgot his name. Oh wait, um, sh- sh- uh, Schmidt. 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 Yeah. Um, and then the valet. But played by Eugenio Derbez. He, oh, I know you, Eugenio Derbez. Yeah. He's from, um, he was from the, um, oh my gosh, uh, Coda. He was Coda, yeah, yeah. So and he's in a, been in a, in a whole bunch of other stuff. So he's yeah. caught on, on by a paparazzi, and then her and, a, and a, him and Olivia, who was played by Samira Waving, have to fake a relationship for the paparazzi. It's actually really cute. I actually think you would really like it. Um, I also saw... Um, the new David Cronenberg film, which is probably the most disappointing movie of the year for me. I really, yeah, yeah I didn't like it at all. Oh I, no, I, yeah, I'm mean, looking forward to that. Dude. I, I turning the button on the rotten sign on Rotten Tomatoes for this movie when I was writing my review is probably the most depressing thing I've done movie wise all year. I can't believe how much I didn't like the movie. It, really? Yeah, performances are good, but don't promise body horror. Don't pot it. You promise a return to form, and the movie, the movie feels like if Cronenberg made a Disney movie in terms of how tame it is. Compared, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think a lot of it makes sense. The movie just abruptly ends. The ending, like it's very mundane. I, I, yeah. There's a lot I really didn't like about it. So the performances are really good, so I can praise that. Uh, but there's a lot that I didn't like about it, unfortunately. Uh, I finished Winning Time. Nice. Despite the, the uh, what's what's the proper word to look at it? The hating of the show that Magic Johnson and anyone that played for the yeah. Los Angeles Lakers has for this show. Um, except for one, one, except for one player that picked it on the show. Everyone's been trashing the show. <laughs> I liked it. I'm glad that they put in that this is like a manipulate. You know they. They move fiction, you know, some of it is fiction, some of it is fact. Um, I thought it was really good. The guy that plays Magic Johnson is incredible. I think yeah. he's, the guy that looks Larry Bird, plays Larry Bird, literally looks like Larry Bird. So, um, oh, same. And I I, I want to echo what you had said. I think uh, John C. Riley's incredible as as Jerry Buss. I think he's fantastic. Uh, my To show an example of how fun the show is, my wife, who doesn't like anything sports show related, was actually into it. So she's like, "Oh, Jeannie Buss is a badass. She owns the Lakers." And I'm like, "Yes, she does own the Lakers now." Does own the Lakers now? Yeah. <laughs> um, I also saw Top Gun Maverick again on IMAX. It's it's my number three of the year. It is literally the best blockbuster of the year I've seen so far. Because uh, I don't consider the Batman as a blockbuster. I think the Batman is more of a, uh, you know, the film noir. It's not really like for every single type of film goer. This is this is this is like this is everything. This is a relic of the 1980s when you make big movies and you don't need a green screen. No offense. Wow. Yeah. Like, there's you, when you watch it today, Leo, you're going to be like, what's CGI and what's real? Oh, man. This is like, is this like Tom Cruise at the height of his Tom Cruise powers? Ironically, it is the highest opening of his career. Amazing. With the, the guy that has such, all these Mission Impossible movies, all these action flicks. And this is the best opening weekend of his career. I think this movie's going to do really well at the box office because 
it has a lot of staying power. It's 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 your dad's new favorite movie type of thing type of feel. That sounds that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome though. This the, is what Hollywood needed. This is what cinema needed. I kept saying, remember off the line, I'm like, the, movies need this to succeed so we don't just have to do comic book movies and have fun and do blockbusters so i'm glad it did well and then the last two things oh 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 uh two more things before we get into stranger things and and obi-wan um i saw heat in theaters for the first time on 35 millimeter on friday uh at the museum of moving image in queens uh they're doing a a michael mann showcase they're going to be playing a lot of his movies on 35 millimeter the crowd reaction to that movie felt like a Marvel movie. Every time Al Pacino talked, it got claps and laughs. <laughs> when we got to the moment, you could hear the chattering. Like when we were getting to the, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. When we got to there, the crowd went bananas like the portals open in Endgame. It was, That's amazing. Yeah, it was such a good, good crowd to watch it with. Um, and then I saw another HBO show. I started, so I can't really comment too much on I started The Staircase. On HBO. Oh, how is that? oh, it's good. I saw the first episode. It, I don't know anything about this story, so I'm going in blind. It is incredible. It is absolutely incredible. Can't uh, wait. And then, uh, yeah, Stranger Things and Top and uh, Obi Wan. So we'll do Stranger Things first, since um, Ryan, I know you haven't seen anything yet, right? I only saw the very last scene of the first episode. Okay, so uh, what do you think, Leo? What do you for Stranger Things? Yeah. Um phenomenal beginning to this last season um i loved it i think uh the episode dear billy is honestly like a top three or if not top one Mm -hmm. uh, episode for the series um i am a huge nightmare on elm street fan and this whole season has been giving me nightmare on elm street vibes um i I, I'm, I'm, i'm i'm definitely all in the only thing that i will say kind of took me a little out of it is that the kids are just too old now? <laughs> they're they're just not kids anymore. And it was it, it. Sometimes it becomes apparent with certain flashbacks. It's like, oh wow, they were very little last season. <laughs> but technically, uh, I think they fast forwarded eighteen months. Is it eighteen months? I yeah. know they said one hundred and eighty-five days of school, but I didn't know how long prior to that uh, them moving that was. Because remember, um, the last season was July fourth, and I think we're at the end of the school year. No, we're in spring break. We're in spring break. So, and we're in spring break 1987 or six? They mentioned uh, Police Academy 3. So, Police Academy 3. Look it up. Yeah, um, and the other thing, not to get too spoilery, but also, like, there's a side story with one of the characters where I'm like, "Ah, it could have been put into, like, one episode. Uh, Police Academy 1986. Okay, so, yeah, they they definitely aged a lot in in a year. Um, But, no, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I got the screener on Monday. I finished on Friday, I think. Um, This is up there for me in terms of my favorite seasons because of how dark it is and how horror real 80s horror dark like nightmare on elm street hellraiser mm-hmm. type of vibes um you nailed it yesterday when we were talking off the line i said this show needed their thanos but in reality they got their voldemort and mm-hmm. can't really talk about why you guys have to watch to find out um i agree 1000 percent about episode four i think it's probably i'm gonna rewatch the series when we get to the final season just to kind of 
make do a ranking of everything, but I do yeah. think uh, Dear Billy is my favorite episode of the series so far. I think. Oh my gosh! And just for like our, for our listeners and for anyone that follows David on Twitter, uh, he retweeted something about a song that gets put in this show, and immediately like, yeah, I've been trying to listen to this song as much as I possibly. You can. know that song? Like I knew that song from wrestling. They did, did a co- they did a cover in 2010 for a Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker promo, and I thought that song was fucking great. And this was before I, this was the Kazaa and Shazam days, so I tried to find it on there, and I ended up getting the original version, which is a song that's in Stranger Things, and I'm like, oh, this song, this version is so much better. Um, oh, the I, I'm obsessed with this song, and now in the context of Stranger Things, it's per, it's perfection, like that scene. Yeah when the song is used and then the fact that you hear it throughout the rest of the season is just perfect. Uh, and honestly, like the actress that plays Max, bro, she did a remarkable job this season so far. I, I, just... I think she has a good year coming because she is also playing Brendan Fraser's daughter in the whale. So she may be getting an Oscar nomination, which good is her, good for her. Um, and that's all we can say because Ryan has a long to go. But yeah, very Nightmare on Elm Street vibes. What this isn't a spoiler, but what do you think of Robert Englund? Overused, oh. underused, or do you think they're going to use him a little bit more? Because I think they are after the way the season ended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, you kind of have to. You have to just because again the way the season is going. I freaking loved seeing him the minute I heard his voice. I didn't. I for, I, had, I guess I had forgotten about the casting news that you reported. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the show came on, I'm, I'm hearing his voice. I'm like, I know that voice. I'm like, oh my god! It, we've been talking about this whole Nightmare on Elm Street vibes, and you're getting the master on screen right now. But and I the, also think, yeah. And the look of Vecna is very much Freddy Krueger. So it's funny, Vecna. I uh, I keep referring to him as uh, um, it's Red Skull Krueger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see it. I see it. I definitely see it. Uh, but yeah, I I love this show. After the season, we'll see how the season ends, but. It's entered my top 10 favorites of all time because we finally have. I I love, it reminds me a lot of phase one through three of Marvel. You start off with a threat that you think yeah. is insane, but it's really not in comparison to what Thanos ends up being. And I think that's exactly where we are now. You think that. You hit it on the head, man. There's been a puppet master this whole time. We've just seen the foot soldiers. Yep. Uh, and then we get to Obi-Wan. Ryan, I'm going to kick it off with you. I, I, I have a lot to say. So I will. What do you think, Ryan? Well, I saw episode one. I sadly haven't gotten to episode two yet. Um, but I dug it. I dug the shit out of it. I think uh, disgruntled Obi-Wan was kind of cool. Uh, I'm not sure how spoiler we want to get. No, you, uh, go for it. Just spoil it. Go for it. Okay. Um, try to think. Uh, the back and forth. I know we saw a little bit of it in the trailer but between him and Lars was awesome. <laughs> um, the new... I guess new Leia's. I love the attitude of that girl. <laughs> <laughs> like when she tells off her cousin, I'm like, yeah, fuck him. <laughs> um, just, yeah, overall, I dug this show, but I can't wait to watch the rest of it. All right. What do you think, Leo? Uh, very, very similar. Um, I honestly, I think it's heartbreaking that Obi-Wan, it seems like he's just, he just kind of just cut off the Jedi part of himself. That was like so integral to his personality as an identity. So like seeing him like avoid like standing up for the fellow factory worker, and like you see just like the monotony of every day being exactly the same. Like that's heartbreaking, bro. Yeah. Um, 
I also am very intrigued to see which astro droid is hidden in the dirt <laughs> that's protecting his cave. Yeah, me too. Me too. Right? Um, I, I am with you 1,000%. Anything else, Leo? The only thing I will say that it did, I noticed it, it kind of annoyed me, but not to the extent that it's freaking going crazy on social media, was the capture scene for little Leia. Like, uh, she's like running, through the, like, she's a little girl. They should have caught her faster. But, <laughs> but it's still not like, I don't think it's anything that the little actress did. It's just, it is what it is. Like, maybe, maybe the filming, but the little girl's like capturing that snarkiness and stubbornness to a T. <laughs> I, <laughs> so, oh, Ryan, what are you going to say? Did you guys catch like kind of the two homages to, uh, in a sense, to the sequels? Yeah, with the with the little jet plane thing that he makes for Luke. I was gonna say more uh, when he sits outside of his house eating. It reminded me of in uh, Force Awakens when Ray sits outside the Atta eating. Oh yeah, oh, that's yeah. true too. Yeah, there's uh, a lot. There, there's definitely a lot of throwbacks to like the either the original trilogy and the other trilogy. <laughs> yeah, the the um that Easter egg with the him building the little the little ship thing that Luke plays with in New Hope. Yeah. yeah. Oh, David, uh, I forgot to say we got needles. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's kind of what I'm gonna start off with the whole thing that Star Wars fans love to love Star Wars and hate Star Wars at the same time, and they're the most obnoxious fan base in the <laughs> fucking world. And I, I, I'm glad that I'm not. I don't live in a world that I have that personality. Uh, and I can actually dislike something if it's bad because it's bad, not because, you know, it's not what you wanted. Uh, I personally love the fact that this is not a story on Tatooine for the 957th time. I kind of like that we get an adventure. We get Alderaan literally for the first time and we can actually just like see what's going on in that world. And we don't have to sit and hit. And, and I get it. Tatooine has sand. Tatooine is the Camden of the of the Star Wars universe. I, I, <laughs> did, am I wrong, Leo? <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> like, no one wants to live in Tatooine. No one wants to live in Camden. So, but it, you know, it is what it is. I, I, we've seen Tatooine enough. Luke didn't want to be there. Ray doesn't want to live there. Or what? No one wants to be in Tatooine. It's oh, you know what it is. What it is. But um, I do like that rather than because there's a few things that I wanted to touch on because you know I, how I adore the 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 yeah the original trilogy so it makes sense that luke doesn't meet obi-wan here because the first time he meets him is as old ben kenobi so in you hope so makes sense that he doesn't meet him there what else would you want as someone that doesn't like the show like you know what would you have wanted him to just fucking look over him and cuckle out over him like like cuck out over him like for six episodes no, I mean I like the fact that we're getting a young Leia because this is this is a show that I think it's going to focus a lot on her as an individual, not just Obi Wan. But where I have where here's where I have some negatives on the show when she has her original speech of like, "Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope." She talks about she talks about like you were you serve for my father in the Clone Wars, blah 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 yes. blah blah. She never mentions, yo, we hung out and you bought me gloves. Oh, and you so dude, me. I think I have an answer to that. Oh, oh, what's up? Go for it. So my the only thing I can call out on that is in the recording, she does say, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. 
he introduces himself to her as Ben. So it's very, very possible. She just thinks they're two different I people. would have said that if Kumail Nanjani didn't call him Obi-Wan in front of her. But, and... she, also never, but she also never meets him face-to-face in New Hope. And maybe had she had a face-to-face with him in New Hope, she would have been like, oh, wait a minute. You're the same dude that saved me. I can't imagine they, they, they retcon that. But, you know, that's just a little concern I have for the show. Yeah, um, that's, fair. That's, fair. I, that's fair. I also, my only other gripe is I, I love the little girl that plays Leia. I think she's charming and pretty much evokes everything about her mother, Padme, and what Leia ultimately becomes. So I'm really digging that aspect of it. But freaking Anakin stubbornness too, to be honest. Yeah. Well, Anakin is yeah. I I I do think the um the fact that the guy that killed Darth Maul and pretty much thought he killed Darth Vader, having a hard time chasing a little girl with no super speed or anything along those lines is a little bit suspension of disbelief. Yeah. It happening to flee, sure. Like needles, I get it. (laughs) Needles is needles it fucking needles. Of course he can't catch Princess Leia. But um, but Obi Wan, come on. Uh, but I do. The Grand Inquisitor is not dead, right? Uh, sorry, mean, sorry, on... Ryan. I just spoiled episode two for you. Yeah, you've been doing that. <laughs> like, what about gloves? What? What? <laughs> uh, it's weird because based on the look, he looks very similar to the character in in the cartoon show. But maybe they're just two different people. I don't know. I don't know. I, it, it, he shouldn't be dead. Yeah, and I think our prediction came... To, this isn't really a spoiler ride because we've talked about it on here. We got our first look in the final shot of of Hayden Christensen. Exactly how we predicted? Yeah. Yep, so I'm very much looking he forward. He looks good, too. He looks yeah. big. Yeah, he looks big. I I can't... I wonder if if he's going to talk to him, like, as... Without the, the, the stuff on. Like, through the, t- oh. through the septic tank. Like in the trailer, you have him staring at him, like Obi Wan captured and staring at him. I wonder if it's him within the septic septic tank, and that's how he talks to him. Well, I imagine, dude. To be honest, I imagine you wouldn't just cast Hayden Christensen if you're not going to use Hayden Christensen. Um, there probably will be. I think you hit it on the head. I think there will be more, a little bit more unmasked Vader stuff than we, we when we used to. And Qui Gon's showing up, is he? Like, I feel like that's. Like, I hope so. That's like a I million. Really, really hope so. That's like a million percent yeah. confirmed. I think. Um, Order sixty six. How do you like the beginning? Well, heartbreaking. I mean, heartbreaking timing, especially. But like, those kids are the Inquisitors. You think, right? I think that yeah. that's the callback. It's funny because I have seen, I've been seeing a lot of like the videos, like reaction videos and people's theories and stuff, and like they they are making a point of focusing on that little girl at the very opening shot of Order sixty six. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. Yeah, I think I mean that makes sense because they're the Inquisitors are not Sith; they're Force sensitive, some former Jedi. So it would make sense that they would take them under their wing after Order sixty six. Yeah. All right. Cool. So that wraps all our news and covered TV show and movie watching. Let's get into Full Metal Jacket, 35th anniversary of Full Metal Jacket. I feel old. Um, I continue to feel old every time we do these recent movie rewatches. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Full Metal Jacket tur- turns 35. I'm going to 
go dive into the production of the film. Nothing too crazy, but uh, in early 1980, Kubrick contacted Michael Herr, author of the memoir Dispatches, 1977, to discuss work about a film about the Holocaust. But Kubrick discarded that idea in favor of a film about the Vietnam War. Ironically, Kubrick never thought, never thought he was ready to to direct the film about the Holocaust. And after Schindler's List, he actually is like, all right, no, no one could ever touch Schindler's List, so I'm never going to make one. Uh, and he gave his eye why should, which is a great last film for him. Uh, yeah. In 1982, uh, Kubrick read Gustav Hasford's novel, The Short Timer, twice, and he concluded it's a unique, absolutely wonderful book and decided to adapt it for his next film. According to Kubrick, he was drawn to the book's dialogue, which he found almost poetic in its carved out stark quality. 1983, Kubrick began researching the film. He watched archive, archival footage and documentaries from the Vietnam War, uh, Vietnamese newspapers on microfilm from the Library of Congress and studied hundreds of photographs from the era. Initially, Herb was not interested in revisiting the Vietnam War experiences, and Kubrick spent three years persuading him to participate, describing the discussions as a single phone call lasting three years with interruptions. Her said Kubrick was not interested in making an anti-war film, but he wanted to show what war is really like. At some point, Kubrick wanted to meet Hasford in person, but her advised against this, describing the short timer's author as a scary man, big haunted Marine who would not get along with Kubrick and probably would lead to the rights not being given to Kubrick to <laughs> adapt the film. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all the production issues or notes that I have. What are you? When is the first time you saw Full Metal Jacket, Leo? School, school. <laughs> Wait, you saw that in Union Hill? I saw that in Union Hill. It was the first time I ever saw uh, this movie or heard of this movie. I've never been a huge, um, like, well, I don't think anyone was ever a really big Vietnam War fan. <laughs> <laughs> the the, uh, the next person I, I the next person I see that's a Vietnam fan, Leo, would be the first. <laughs> right? I'm like, oh wait a minute, actually, yeah, because you hear people because I know I I think World War II was something that always interested me. But yeah, I guess Vietnam War maybe not so much, but. I did see this movie in school. Um, it was very, very like documentary style, but I remember that uh, the first part also hit kind of heavy, like the first forty minutes of the boot camp. Oh yeah, um, I have a lot to say about that. Yeah, I think um, it, it, the the teacher. I forgot what teacher. I think honestly, it was probably shown to us during a substitute teacher. <laughs> I wonder if it's all right because I I do. I didn't see it in school, but I saw 2001 A Space Odyssey in 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 English class freshman year. F- from Imagine we had like a Kubrick fan sub that's been like infiltrating our childhood. But it wasn't a it was actually not a sub, it was Mr. Boyce. Oh. I did have Boyce. So I wouldn't <laughs> Maybe he was like a huge Kubrick fan and he's like, "You know what? I'm going to show these kids what real cinema is." Yeah, man. But I do remember watching it in school. I remember like it was, yeah, it was dark, man. But but it was honestly that that whole first forty minutes as a teenager, you're cracking up like crazy. Yeah, I agree. What about you, Ray? Well, it was just a couple of years ago. Like I just threw it on because I finally wanted to watch it, and then I dug it, and then I watched it again this week. Yeah, it's good. Oh, no- man, you didn't watch this when you were younger. Nah, I mean, war movies never really grabbed me, so this never was something I wanted to go see, but... Oh, dude, me and my buddies used to use, like, the, the sergeant... sergeant. Oh, see, here's the funny thing. Together. I could do that shit because of my buddies that have seen it, 
But like you know, like I like you know, I saw this is my rifle, this is my gun, this is for fighting, this is for fun, you know, like <laughs> shit like that. Like I grew up with, but I never saw the movie that it came from. Like, gotcha. Yeah, that. Uh, I saw it in high school as well. Not in high school, like English class, but um, <laughs> I saw it after 2001 is when I first started watching Kubrick movies. So shout out to Mr. Boyce if you're still out there. Uh, thank you for that because you're the first one that introduced me to Kubrick and uh, I bought they had a Kubrick line of DVDs and I bought 2001 and I immediately fell in love with it it's still one of my favorite war films of all time I don't have a, as cool a story as you Leo but uh, it's still I definitely saw it at a young age uh, budget and moving on to the budget of the film budget of box office 16.5 to 30 million dollar budget made 120 million dollars in terms of the trophy room it was nominated for Best Sound and Special Effects at BAFTA and won and nominated for Adapted Screenplay at the uh, Academy Awards. Not shocked. I'm very curious to where we're going here when we get to the now we get to the fun stuff. Uh, what's age the best? <laughs> All right. I'm going to say the entire first half of the film. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Hartman's first monologue. Lee Ermey. Just just Lee Ermey. Just literally Lee Ermey. That's incredible uh ryan you kind of te- teased it before my this is the rifle this is my gun this is for fighting this is for fun it's literally my favorite one of the bunch uh, i love the themes i love that it focuses on like it has themes of and critiques of masculine masculinity kind of showing like warm pornography as fact uh, facets of like the same system during that era uh obstacle course runs have aged the best now we get tough. Oh, now people I do this. I the worst. <laughs> well, I, I, the reason I have this is because we have stuff like Tough Mudder or whatever the hell. We have all these obstacle courses that are literally run now for fun. Sure. So that's why I have it aged the best. Uh, insults? <laughs> what is your major malfunction? No, no, no. <laughs> Military chants, mockumentaries, and Mickey Mouse Club. Uh, the Mickey Mouse Club song used in a, in a movie. Well, uh, Leo, what do you got? Uh, for Age of the Best, uh, the, yeah, the, the whole the first 40 minutes of this movie, dude, um, uh, the buzz cut scene, like, they're all so heartbroken and disheartened. You can tell they're like, they don't want to be there. Yeah. Um, exactly what you said. Lee Ermey. Just period. Um, the fiction of military, the signs of like mental health, and like some of the call-outs that you can kind of identify earlier on. Um... The depiction of war, once the movie shifts over to the actual war, mm-hmm. um, it's it's not fancy, it's not nice, it's not clean, it's very gritty. Um, the soundtrack, honestly, there's a really good soundtrack in this movie. And yeah, I'm like, I agree. I, for, I had forgotten. Uh, and I also have Mickey Mouse. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because, like, bro, we just finished talking about Obi-Wan and freaking Strange well, and Marvel. Like, Mickey Mouse still rules the world. I agree. What about you, Ryan? What do you have? All I got is war docs and war movies. Nice. All right. For age the worst, I have bullying, mm-hmm. lack of focus on mental health in the, in, in the Army, Navy, or any type of uh, infantry, the Vietnam War. What do you got, Leo? Yeah. And that's to say, like, Dave and I actually talked about this, too, before we started recording today. Like, this is not to say that Kubrick did a bad job of showing this. No, no. He did a phenomenal job of showing this but our society just didn't really see it the way it needed 
So actually, I have sexism from the military because he's constantly calling everybody ladies, um, bullying, physical abuse. Because yeah, the sergeant does actually hit his own um, the recruits. Um, racism, uh, homophobia. Um, I put obstacle course as a aged poorly because they're all um, assess their fitness based on this obstacle course, and I think that's like not done anymore in physical education class. Like, oh yeah, I get what you mean. So like, if someone that's in their like I don't know early twenties or like like a teenager were to watch this movie. They'd be like shocked at the fact that yes, you can fail something if you can't use if you can't do the obstacle course. Um, I have the code red moment um, where they all beat a uh, Gomer pile with the soap. Yeah, that is again, it. it's just bullying. It's just straight up bullying. Um, the five black dudes joke. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's uh, I think it's after they get out of boot camp. They're uh, they're they're all just kind of like just talking crap. Uh, and they're like, oh, how do you, um, how do you stri- distract five black guys from raping a white woman? It's like, oh, throw them a basketball. I'm yeah, like, that's not it. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, just love the when they first get on the helicopter and you see the one, the one soldier just shooting down civilians. I'm like, oh man, this is, especially with everything going on in Ukraine currently, it's like it's one of those like cringeworthy moments, but it's the truth. And Stanley Kubrick did an amazing job of portraying the truth. Agreed, Ryan. What do you got? I got what happens to Pyle. This scene, his entire arc just is so sad. The slurs, the hooker scenes, making someone take pervy shots, and killing civilians. Awesome. Well, not awesome, but good stuff. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, All right. So, Joe Spinell, that guy award. I feel like I have this man like everywhere here. Um, It's Learmy, right? (laughs) Even though he is the soldier. In Toy Story, that's the only thing else I I know him prevalently from. Yeah, I mean, I, I put Adam Baldwin because I wanted to leave Ermie for something else. Because um, I know Adam Baldwin from Chuck. <laughs> and when I first saw Chuck, I was like, wait a minute. That's Adam, old mother. <laughs> but yeah, I, I that's what I got. What about you, Ryan? Since it's only my second time watching, I didn't feel right putting anything for that person because I won't recognize anyone from this as well. All right. Only second time. <laughs> Deadless Shrimp Six Man of the Film Award. Again, Lee Ermey. That's Lee Ermey. You yeah. can't even put anyone else for this. I'm going to say he should have won the Oscar. Yeah, he was nominated, wasn't he? He was nominated for the Oscar. Yeah, I forgot to mention that one. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know. Actually, no. He wasn't nominated for the Oscar. He was nominated for the Golden Globe. Oh. Yeah. I, my my mistake there. Yeah. That's. I I don't get. I don't get it at all. And Dave, I think I saw that he was supposedly like an onset consultant mm-hmm. that then was so freaking good. They're like, nah. You know what? Let's just use you. Yeah. And then I believe he actually did have a military career too. So yeah, Amazing. pretty and pretty insane. Uh, what do you got, Rye? Uh, same. We are made the drill sergeant. All right, again, MVP of the film. It's hard to do an MVP of the film when you're only in the first half of the film for me, but I don't care because Vincent D'Onofrio literally is the best performance in that movie. Uh, yeah, I think he's incredible in this. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going with Vincent D'Onofrio as the MVP. I think that whole arc in the first half of the movie is heartbreaking but impactful because he's so good at it. Uh, what do you got, Leo? 
Yeah, actually, for this one, I went Stanley Kubrick as the MVP. Okay. I don't yeah. feel like this. Well, it's weird because it's like you can't. This isn't like a. Like it, it, I think his performance was amazing, but it wasn't like for the whole movie. Right? That makes you didn't sense. Carry this film. You yeah. didn't. You didn't finish this. You didn't come out of the theater with this movie saying like, "Yo, that whole movie, that Vincent D'Onofrio movie was really, really good." Like, and honestly, it's dead ass. Freaking Matthew Modine doesn't stand out either. <laughs> so oh, yeah, like, Matthew Modine is in um, uh, Stranger Things too. Yeah, yeah, he's exactly right. It's like, oh shoot, this guy was like the lead character, and he didn't really bring anything to it. So I'm like, I think Stanley Kubrick was the reason this movie is amazing as it is. Awesome. What do you got, Ray? I kind of want to take your guys' answers. Much better than mine. What was yours? Uh, Joker. Okay. Okay. Um, Alrighty. So, Peaks and Valley. Alright. Peak. First half of movies. (laughs) I really don't... Dude, if if this movie continues at the pacing and the way the first half was, I think it'd probably be one of the greatest movies ever made. Period. Just period. Yeah. Like, it's unbelievable. Uh... Is this the peak for obstacle course runs in movies? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fatic, yes. Um, insults in movies? No. There's, no there's got to be other movies like since then that were good back and forth. All right. It probably has to be like a straight up comedy there. Military chance in movies. I'm trying to think what military. Yeah, because there's not much in Saving Private Ryan. I would say, yeah. Yeah. I'm not. You can't say Stanley Kubrick because I he still has eyes no. wide shut coming. I, I guess Matthew. If you're doing actor wise, it's probably Matthew Modine. Unless that's, you want to say Stranger Things. That's who I got. I got. Well, here's the thing. He was the lead actor in a Kubrick film. Yeah, like, that's a good point. Like that. I mean, that means that. I mean, someone must have thought, "Yo, this man can lead. He can like hold this movie." And now he's known for being a side character in Stranger Things. That's true. What do you What do you got, Ry? Cowboy. That's true. Oh yeah. I mean, that's yeah. You can't go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> can't get anything else. He's been in. <laughs> His that sucked though. Yeah. I was. I was. I can't lie that I was a little bit bummed when he died. If you did, I didn't mention this before, but surprise twist in middles of the movie peak. Or is that still oh. Psycho? Um, has to be Psycho, but it would this well, it's be weird? Because I think I think when you go into military movies, I think that that's like a you're you're gonna get Game of Thrones, and if you can't be surprised by it, yeah, that's true. Um, and to answer your question about Cowboy, he was also in the Lost World, Jurassic Park, Moneyball, Mank, and The Time Traveler's Wife in two thousand nine. Um, stick with my answer, <laughs> <laughs> Valley. So this one's a little harder. Um, nah, you don't think so? Easy for me. Well, this is easy for me. Mockumentaries. Oof, dude! <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, like this was a it blew up after this, <laughs> but it wasn't really a low point. <laughs> and it wasn't Kubrick also because he, I think his peak, his valley is pretty much ever, uh, after 2001. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna go to Ryan for what do you have? Oh yeah, oh, duh, yeah, good, yeah. good, yeah, good one. Is that what you had too, Leo? Same, same. Even though this was an incredible performance, <laughs> he then becomes like a well known, yeah. recognized, ex- excellent, ex- excellent pull, guys. I don't know how he slipped, 
how that one slipped by me. Uh, all right, let's finish off. This is like the fastest we've ever done this. It's been 20 minutes. <laughs> um, let's do some some full meta jack effects before we close it up for the day. Uh, director Stanley Kubrick had nothing but praise for Lee, Ar- Lee Army's skills as a performer. Like you mentioned, um, Leo, he wasn't originally supposed to be in the movie, and Kubrick originally was going to write dialogue for his character, but he became so impressed with what Ermi improvised, he decided that it was not necessary. He simply let him ad-lib everything in the movie. Ermi's performance is so flawless and faultless that that Kubrick only needed two or three takes to get his scenes filmed, which is extremely rare for a Kubrick movie because we are known that Kubrick has multiple takes there's only one scene that ermy is in in the entire movie that needs two or more takes and he needed 37 takes for the jelly donut scene (laughs) uh yes incredible performance uh number two however there are some counter examples to ermy uh malcolm mcdowell came up with the idea of alex and singing in the rain in the clockwork orange and Jack Nicholson also improvised Here's Johnny in The Shining. So we do have two other examples of Kubrick just letting the, his actors cook. Uh, number three, according to an interview with Vincent D'Onofrio, the production schedule for the film was so drawn out that Matthew Modine got married, conceived a child, the child was born, and then turned one year old during the course of the filming. Oh, what's funny, because I did notice it on the rewatch yesterday, like the time jump between boot camp and his hair being fully grown out i'm like how long was this yeah for sure uh vincent d'onofrio gained 70 pounds for his role as private pot it's funny because you know him more as a heavy set guy now but if you yeah. see him in in movies like the player in 1992 he is super thin so he gained 70 pounds for this role breaking robert de niro's record of gaining 60 pounds do you got want? do you want to guess what movie that was for Wait, De Niro? Yeah. Is it Raging Bull? Correct. Uh, it took him seven months to put on the weight and nine months to take it off of physical training. He noted his new look scared off women, and people would often repeat things to him thinking he was mentally challenged. Oh, shoot. Next up, Denzel Washington was considered for the role of 8-Ball, but declined because he couldn't read for the script before he couldn't read the script before auditioning. Interesting. Hmm. What was what was Denzel known for back then? Nah, that soap opera. I think this is before oh. Glory. So okay. okay. Uh, number six. This is uh, a casting what if that I would have loved. Val Kilmer auditioned for the role of Joker. Uh, according to Matthew Modine, uh, Kilmer confronted Modine in a restaurant and challenged Modine to a fight because he believed that Modine had stolen the uh, the part from him. But Modine was was not even aware of the film at the time. Modine sent. A Kubrick footage from Vision Quest and won the part. That's so cool. Oh my god. <laughs> Kilmer would have destroyed the production yeah, here. <laughs> I think he would have been so good though. Arnold Schwarzenegger has turned down the role of Animal Mother in order yeah. to star in The Running Man. Yep. Damn. This one I put because I'm going to ask you guys a question here. Stanley Kubrick decided to hire Anton first to do the production design of the film. What other movie that we love did Anton first do the production design and also won an Oscar for? Ooh. Is it a comic book film? I got nothing. Uh, I'm not going to say that, Ryan. Uh, do you have anything? I was thinking one. Uh, I was thinking a Batman film, but I'm probably you, wrong there. You are correct. Batman 1989. 
Oh, nice. <laughs> wow, Ryan. <laughs> you can't see right now, but I'm patting my back. <laughs> uh, according to a 1980, 1988 interview in Playboy, Bruce Willis was offered a lead role, but was turned down because the film was about to start on the first six episodes of Moonlighting. Uh, next up, Anthony Michael Hall was originally set to play Joker. Hall spent eight months preparing for the role and could not reach an agreement with Stanley Kubrick regarding salary and schedule, and then he was replaced by Matthew Modine. Interesting. And Anthony, Anthony Michael Hall was like, he was looking at the way he looks in Breakfast Club, not the way he looks in now, Edward Hollow- Scissorhands. Yeah. So it would have huh. been, been interesting. Stanley Kubrick received his final Oscar nomination for this film. Yeah. Uh, I love Billy Wilder, one of my favorite directors of all time. Billy Wilder told Cameron Crowe if he would consider the Paris Island sequence, which is the first 45 minutes of the movie, the best movie he's ever seen if the movie ended there. Yo, facts. This next up, this movie has an unused music score composed by Hans Zimmer. What? Yep. Yep. Oh, I that would make this movie epic. <laughs> I thought the same thing. Uh, last two, Vincent D'Onofrio claimed he saw Private Pile's story as a monster created through an experiment gone wrong. A young man turned into a psychotic killer rather than a warfighter, and he deliberately made expressions similar to classic movie monsters in his final scene. I totally love the arc he took there. And finally, according to Matthew Modine in an interview in 2017, uh, originally and throughout the shoot, Joker was supposed to die in Vietnam. Kubrick had already uh, scrapped an opening flashback to Joker's funeral and kept asking Modine what he thought of Joker's death. During one creative argument, Modine blurred out that Joker should live. Kubrick pressed him as to why he should live, and Modine explained that Joker saw his DI killed in basic training. The recruit he tried to help blow his brains on Paris Island, the only man he knew from basic training die in his arms during battle and a teenage female sniped by his own hand joker had to live because living with these experiences were worse than dying and that's the real horror of war kubrick replied that's the end of the movie modine never knew if he convinced kubrick to change the end until he actually saw the movie wow wow yeah i thought that was like probably the most interesting one that's why i left it for last uh and modine is a hundred percent right <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that wraps it up uh, for this week. This we blitzkrieg right through the entire. Man, <laughs> <Yeah>, more war. <laughs> <laughs> right through the entire uh, covering of the film, but this is a fun one, guys. Uh, mm-hmm. Next week, are we off next? No, unfortunately, we are not off next week. <laughs> I I am being forced to cover a movie I do not like. I. I'm going to have fun with this one, though. Next week, we're <sighs> celebrating the anniversary of another Legacy sequel. And not what I care to love. <laughs> Next week, we're covering Ryan's favorite movie, Grease 2. Fuck that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I do not hate it as much as Ryan does. Because I do like Batman and Robin. So I guess that's where my stance is. If you <laughs> Until next week, see you at the movies, kids.